Welcome to the podcast of the Christian Medical and Dental Association of Canada. Today's podcast features our student ministry lead, John Dykeman, as our host and communications manager, Stephanie Potter, as co-host. They are joined by Dr. Cheryl Ann Beals. Cheryl Ann has a doctorate of ministry and is on staff for the Canadian Baptists of Atlantic Canada. She is the director of the Sozo Centre for Soul Care. Cheryl Ann's ministry is to care for those who care for others. This has primarily taken the form of ministry to pastors. Since first meeting our CMDA Canada team, the Lord has placed a special mission on her heart to help spiritually develop and empower Christian doctors and dentists through a partnership with CMDA Canada. Enjoy the podcast. Our medical community uses the term burnout a lot, and it's become this this buzzword. And um, and so, you know, other words fit into there quite well. Uh, distress, things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, uh, I've been reading your paper a little bit, and I'm just sort of wondering if you can talk about some of the signs of of burnout um, that uh, that you maybe you know you're you're kind of walking down that path. And uh, you can kind of feel like things aren't the way they used to be or things are you're getting a little disenchanted with, you know, this idea of, of, me- of medicine or dentistry. And what are some of the what are some of the markers that you would say that are indicators of a burnout is, or, or distress that we're, we're heading that direction? Okay, so we'll divide it into, you know, there's those things, um, I think, our response to our environment, our response to people. Um, our response to ourselves and, and to um, our um, the work that we do. So, I mean, a big part of it, I think, that starts that people start to see there's a difference, and then they don't have the same love for what they're doing. Mm. Uh, it, it takes a lot more energy, and it's not as inviting. It's not as satisfying anymore. So there's a sense of, yeah, not sure if I like this anymore. I'm not sure I'm getting the same thing out of it. So there's that discomfort mm. with what was once comfortable and meaningful mm. um, that happens. Um, our sense of ourselves, we start to feel like we're not as productive and we're not as good as we used to be in what we're doing. Um, we're not as happy with our performance or our work or that side of things. Um, Often it comes up um, in terms of our our patients and ability to um, to relate to others, uh, find a sense of wanting to be more isolated, wanting to not meet patients as much as they used to, uh, not wanting to engage as much as before, um, feeling you don't have the emotional capacity uh, for others anymore. Mm. Um, um, spiritually. Feeling a sense of disconnect from God, feeling you're all alone and you're carrying the burden all by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so those those kinds of those are some of the things that become signs of of there's something going on, something's not right. And right. I think from the outside, uh, you know, that can be really difficult to assess in someone else's life. Mm-hmm. And that's why I really liked the idea of using the word discontent. Uh, because burnout feels like something you should be able to see, like smoke should be coming off a person and distress, uh, especially in the medical context is a very urgent sounding term, but discontent is a very quiet thing. 
Uh, it, it, it doesn't look even like unhappiness all of the time. It's just mm -hmm. this ease about the situation. Uh, so yeah, how do we, how do we measure that from the outside? Um, don't think we can. I don't, don't think we can. I, I don't think we can. Um, uh, I mean, the whole word, if you know the whole word burnout, it comes from a burned out building. Mm. Building right. looks great on the outside, but it's been burned out on the inside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had the experience when I was in Cairo, Egypt, um, after they had had the, the big uprising um, a few years ago. And we came across a building, beautiful white stone building across from the, the big museum. The, um, archaeological Museum in Cairo, Egypt, and this beautiful building. But as you got closer, then you realized all the windows were broken out and that it had been burned from the inside. But the building at a distance looked wonderful. Mm -hmm. right. But as you got close, then you knew a tragedy had happened here and the, right. the, they had burned it out from the inside. So unless you're, the person allows you to get very close, you can't always see it. Mm -hmm. Others right. can't see it. Right. We can put up a, a good front we that, can. that we're A-OK -okay and mm -hmm. we uh, can. put on that sort of professionalism or whatever it is that we're doing. Even with our own, um, you know, closer circles, sometimes we, we hide those things because there's the shame that's linked to the fact that we're not that person that we uh, put up the front to be. You yes. know, um, in this paper I was talking about last night, Far Curlin sort of talks about how physicians like put themselves forward or maybe even a pastor that we put ourselves forward as, as the pastor, we put on the tie, we stand at the front, we say some words and therefore we're the pastor and, 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 and that sort of thing. Or you're the physician, you put on the, the white coat and mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. um, you're in the hospital, you're in your office, you're uh, using the electronic medical record, things like that. And, and, uh, and, and you've got all the qualifications and you're doing your job well, but then, on the inside, there's sort of this discontentment that we're that we're feeling that um, maybe you know what I'm experiencing internally is not exactly what I thought things would be like at this point in my life, and and just the different factors that contribute to that. And I and I liked how you touched on sort of there's the, the externals, um, the work environment, things like that that can contribute to this. But then mm -hmm. there's the the internals of the processing of what we're experiencing and and how that kind of all adds up and then uh and then you know i don't know if it's just sort of one day or or whatever it's a process of of getting to that place of of, of burnout and um and then you, you kind of talk about the soul and 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 how that is so vitally important like um a thing that we tend to sort of ignore sometimes or we don't know how to what it is or we're disconnected to our souls so what is the soul like can you just talk about that for a moment really easy question right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah really easy question thanks um well i'll go back to dallas willard because i like his the way his analogy of what the Can't soul go wrong is. yeah 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 um and he talks about you know the heart mind body um and we have relationships um, and so we have all these aspects of who we are and the soul is like the orchestra conductor that brings all of it together in harmony. Oh, I love mm -hmm. that. And so it, 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 where the, the whole of who we are is more than the sum of our parts, right? The gestalt mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, yeah. and so our soul is that our whole being in unity. 
Mm. You know, and he talks about a disintegrated soul where our pieces are all over the place and they're not working together and we're just disintegrated mm. or our souls in harmony with God, right? Where all the pieces work together as they should. Mm. And our soul is what coordinates and brings that together and connects us with God. So mm. um, do we really all know exactly what the soul is? I don't think so. I think mm. we have an idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just something good to, th- to think to sit with and just imagine, you know, what yep. is my, what is my soul anyways? What are those, what are those things that uh, are important to make up who I am mm-hmm. as my u- unique personhood or person, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, that, that factor into that. And, and it's something that we don't often stop to yeah. observe yeah. and check in yeah. with. Um, John Ortberg, in his book, um, uh, Soul Keeping, he talks about the soul like a stream. He talks like a stream in the mountains. Mm. And as long as the stream was healthy and right, people just kind of took it for granted, right? Mm. And then, but then there was a keeper who took care of the stream. And they decided, the community decided, well, we don't need the keeper anymore. The stream is doing well. It's great. So they fired the guy that was taking care of the stream. Mm. And then the stream became polluted. Mm. And then the stream no longer was healthy. Mm. And then people started to notice there was a difference Mm. because nobody was taking care of the stream anymore. Mm. And he he uses that analogy to talk about our souls, right? Mm. Mm. It's not usually until when things start going wrong, we start to pay attention and say, oh, wow, there's something not quite right here. And we start to realize, ah, I do have a soul. (laughs) We notice it when it's broken, not when mm-hmm. it's functioning. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we noticed in, or I should say John noticed in your writing was you talked a little bit about soul neglect. Can you mm-hmm. describe a little bit about what that might look like and how that might be experienced? Okay. Well, my first analogy I usually use for soul neglect is like, you know, it's like the hairdresser doesn't take care of her hair, right? The mechanic doesn't take care of his car. And, and, you know, and so in this um, day of COVID, I haven't had a haircut in a yeah. couple months. So. <laughs> you know, this is really hitting home for me. Maybe it's a it's an observation about my soul. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you know, for those good. of us who are Christians or spiritual leaders or any of those things, um, we we don't take care of our soul, and and so soul neglect is a neglecting really of our union with God. Mm-hmm. It's it's not paying attention. It's not giving it the priority that it deserves. Mm. It's not nurturing it like our connection with God. It, it's, it gets disconnected. Mm. And so it's no longer being nurtured, right? That stream mm. is no longer running clean and pure and beautiful. Um, and so soul neglect is when I stop, I stop paying attention. Mm. Right? I stop connecting well. I stop receiving what I need from God. And I start looking other places. I start um, no longer feeding my soul, feeding what what I need in my eternal uh, being. And I start, you know, eating junk food or starving myself. And so um, this disconnection can lead to, I think you you use the word uh, soul erosion. Soul erosion. Yeah. 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 And so what's disintegrate. Yeah. So talk a little bit more about that. Um, so soul erosion is, um, you know, we, be, we start to become disintegrated. Mm-hmm. And so that harmony amongst our, all the pieces of who we are, right? Our bodies in harmony with our hearts and our minds 
and um, our interactions, all of that in harmony, uh, it starts to erode those connections. And we become disintegrated people where, um, where our lives don't fit together that we we feel like i kind of talk about like humpty dumpty fell off the wall and the pieces are everywhere and we just feel that our pieces are all over the place and we can't get that sense of feeling whole mm. of feeling uh, a sense of well-being anymore we're just um totally disconnected mm. from ourselves from god it's hard to connect with other people mm -hmm. And that's what leads to eventually the, the burnout or the distress, I guess. It would be kind of the, the next. Yeah, I would say that the burnout is what leads to the soul erosion. Oh, okay. I see. I yeah, see. Yeah. yeah. You know, that deeper, that the soul erosion is a deeper thing. A right. burnout is kind of the signs that, that there's an internal process going on. You know, when the, when the burnout starts showing up, right? That there's mm -hmm. an internal process going on. Right. That's not healthy. So I'm wondering for those who might be listening who maybe feel like they're on the cusp of burnout, soul erosion, soul neglect. They're somewhere in that vicinity mm -hmm. of things, but still doing okay. Some, maybe some people like that, or, or maybe you're fitting the criteria for a lot of these things that we're talking about. Like, what would you, what would you say to someone at, at this moment of when they're feeling some of these things? What, what's a good way forward? Stop and pay attention. Yeah. Stop and pay attention. And um, I, I say like like David does in the in the Psalms, right? He talks to his soul, you know. Mm -hmm. He says, you know, soul, why are you upset? My mm -hmm. translation: um, Get in touch with what's going on inside of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And often, often, you know, our soul, our hearts are talking to him. We're just, we're just not listening. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, if we stop long enough and want to pay attention, we will hear messages about what's going on. We'll hear something of what's happening inside of us. We will get hints and clues to that mm -hmm. uh, so it's it's stopping it's pausing it's paying attention that's so interesting to me because i feel like jesus really models that well for us uh when we think about the times that he went out alone into the desert mm -hmm. uh to take time to pray and to fast uh, i think as caregivers uh, this applies to all sorts of people pastors physicians parents uh you know those people who it's our job in many ways to put ourselves mm -hmm. last uh putting yourself last doesn't mean putting yourself at zero though he, to be able to care for others you have to first take care of yourself and and i think jesus really models a way of doing that which is yes, seeking yes. seeking god in in other you know in away from all of that not seeking god through doing but through being with him and listening to you know the cry of your soul mm -hmm. and if you can go back to john 15 you know the branch and the line um, we only have life when we're connected to the vine. Mm. And, and so we don't have life in and of ourselves. And that's the first thing is that we have to accept. And I think that's hard for us to accept. Mm -hmm. We want to be independently, right, power, independent power packs, right, that can do whatever we want. And we have our own way of creating our own power and our own ability. It's hard for us to accept, no. Actually, God created us to be dependent. Mm. Mm. And that his power, his grace, his mercy his, has to flow into us and then flow out of us. Yes. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's such a relevant message for a demographic of the population, the physicians who are feeling like society is looking up to them or their patients or whoever. Maybe they're not always 
respect it the way they might have been maybe 50 years ago. Uh, but if you think about it, um, most people would think of the physician as the go-to mm-hmm. guru for all things of life. Like, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and, and so being placed on that pedestal comes with some um, expectations that you're going to have it all together all the time and you know all the answers. And, but reality is, as, as, as what we're talking about is that's, that's just not the case. It's just, nope. uh, there, there's only one God mm-hmm. and, uh, and, you know, I was and thinking, we're about, not it. And we're not it. And, you know, from dust, from dust we come to dust we shall return. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, yeah. I mean, that, that's, I mean, as I work with pastors, so that's one thing I was like, you're not God. Mm. Mm-hmm. Only yeah. God is endless, infinite, all powerful. We are limited, yeah. limited power. And, you know, we can't, we can't do that. And so the image that we have of ourselves in relationship to God is really what determines a lot of our well-being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in your paper, you talk about how the way that sometimes pastors behave, they believe that uh, God is maybe this sort of like slave driver. He's like this master mm-hmm. who's sort of demanding all kinds of crazy things of us of mm-hmm. work until you're burnout type of thing. And that that's, yeah. that's good work. You're doing a good job. If oh, you're, yeah. if you're, if, and right. so it's very, I found it very revealing that you kind of named it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very helpful that you, you, you named it is that your God is like a slave driver driver is mm-hmm. what you're the way in which you're living. And, yeah. But most of us don't pause long enough to realize that that's the theology that sort of that we have in our heads that's influencing how we do. Yes, and actually, and that's the theology we're telling the world. Mm-hmm. Like we're saying, oh, this God loves you, cares about you. But then they look at us and like, then why is it you're so haggard? Why is it you're right. so burnt out? Why is it you can't take a time to rest and smell the roses and right. you know and right. have a sense of joy in life? Right. Um, so we, we give the world the sense that God is this horrible slave driver, doesn't care about us. All he right. wants is for us to do his work. Right. It it work, work, dependence work. Too. It creates a dependence in others. Uh, I have a, a friend who's a pastor uh, who talked a little bit about when he was first a pastor. And he was right in the middle of everything. He did everything. He was every activity that happened. He was the guy running it. Uh, and then when he ended up leaving to go to a different church, everything fell apart because he created dependence on his energy, on his presence, on his giftedness. So the guilt he felt after increased the burnout he had been feeling beforehand. Um, and that shouldn't, you know, a hospital shouldn't be any different. Uh, being a dentist mm-hmm. shouldn't be any different. If you build your clinic, if you build everything around only you are the one who can do all the things. Like, yes, you have specific gifts and you're the only one who can prescribe meds. But, you know, there's ways of seeking support from others and not making an idol of your own abilities. Yeah. And it also, it's, again, that's about our identity. Do we see ourselves as it? And so everything stops with us and we have to carry the burden. Or do we see ourselves as pointing to the one mm-hmm. who is in control? Mm-hmm. So do I see my life as a pointer to God? Do I see myself using my gifts and skills pointing to God, mm-hmm. not as the solution? Right. And um, and so, I mean, I find with pastors and with us as Christians that we will sometimes think that we're the ones who got to do it for God. 
Mm. And I always like to remind us, uh, actually, you know, God doesn't really need us. <laughs> Love it. Love you it. Know? it you, you could, like Jesus said, I could send legions of angels if I wanted to. Right. It, it's the same that God says to us, like, I, I don't really need you to do all this for me. Yeah. But then the other side of that is, but if you want to be in relationship with me, and if we can together take this journey, yeah. that's a different thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Let me work. Let me work my life and power through you. Yeah. Not you trying to do it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This conflation of of what it means to be a good leader mm-hmm. uh, that we have bought into, maybe because it's people that we're influencing want us to be that person. Or maybe, or maybe um, it's just the narratives that we're believing about who God yeah. is. And, and what we're taught and what the world says, right? We're supposed to be powerful. We're supposed to solve every problem. We're supposed to be powerful people. Mm. When really what God calls us to be actually is dependent people. Mm-hmm. Right. People who are dependent on his power, on his grace, on his presence. And that's yeah. what flows through us. It, it, right. it's, it, it's actually us releasing our power to God. Mm-hmm. Right. So he can show his power. We were talking about this before too, John, uh, that sort of that be your best self, live your best life thing. That's like the popular religion right now. Uh, when mm-hmm. really what we need to be is to be imitators of Christ, uh, to be instruments of Christ. Uh, and that should be my end goal. Uh, not, not, you know, being whatever my best self is. Cause I was saying earlier, my best self, I, if I were more of me, I don't think that would be good for anyone. I'm enough as I am. <laughs> my best self is not good enough. Mm-mm. I mean, and, and my true self is this, is the me found in God. It's not separate from God. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if we go back to the garden of Eden, Adam and Eve found their sense of identity in God. They did not know themselves separate from God. And what gets us in trouble is trying to know ourselves separate from God, mm-hmm. to live separate from God on our own resources, not dependent on God's resources. And that's what gets us in trouble. And so even our understanding of what glorifies God, it's not my successes that glorify God. What glorifies God is when I depend on him. Say that again. <laughs> Preach it. <laughs> you know, our, so my success or failure is not what glorifies God. God can use my success or my failure. He can use either one to glorify himself. But what truly glorifies him is a life that is truly dependent on him. And through that life, his power is revealed. His identity is revealed. And that can happen in weakness. That when we embrace our weakness and allow God's power to show through, when people know, hey, that couldn't have been you. You're right. It was God. You know, what gave you that wisdom? What gave you that ability to do that? That's not you. And I, and I imagine that God probably takes the light in just hanging out with us and, and working with us, right? Like, yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah. We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't have to hold this thing together. That's right. not our responsibility. You know, you go to Matthew 11, and, and I love the way um, the message talks about it, you know, in um, um, Matthew 11, 28 to 30, and is that when you come to me, all you heavy laden in one translation. But in his, it's like, all right, like, 
are you burned out? Right. You know, on religion. Now, usually, are you burned out on ministry? Yeah. You know, come, let me show you how to live. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Watch me. I'll show you how to live this. You know. Yeah. You don't have to. I'll, I'll even help you rest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a, I don't know if it's that translation, but I was reading, um, come and receive or come and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Yes. That's, that's the one. And, um, it totally changes things when you see it like that. What it does is it takes the, um, onus off. I've got to do it and I've got to figure it out. So let me read this to you. It says, are you tired, worn out? burned out on religion but we could say a number of other things you can be burned out on come to me get away with me and you'll recover your life oh we need to recover our lives mm. i'll show you how to take a real rest walk with me and work with me watch how i do it learn the unforced rhythms of grace mm. i won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Mm. God's word to us. That's, that's, what, that's his invitation, and those are his promises to us. Mm. You don't have to figure this thing out. Let mm. me show you how. And I think, I think the biggest idol, maybe for some of our listeners and, and even in my own life, is, is wanting to be successful or wanting to be liked or or appreciated or be seen as others as doing well with our lives i i I feel like that's a that's a real temptation of 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 putting what other people think of us ahead of what god thinks of us Mm -hmm. and who god is instead of having an awe and reverence for god we're, we're we're constantly preoccupied with what other people think and how they they see us yeah because we truly don't feel we truly don't know and understand that God already approves of us. We just have to learn how to receive it. Mm. Yes. Right. We're trying to work to receive what he's already given because we don't want to book. The humiliation is I don't like the idea. You're just going to give it to me because then I can't take any glory for it. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. You know, my pride, it hurts my pride. You mean, this is just a free gift. Right. I want to feel like I earned this. Like I'm right. putting the hours. <laughs> well, it's interesting in your paper you talk about Peter, mm-hmm. and you talk about how you know there are the twelve disciples and the in foot the washing. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's the upper room, and mm. um, and it. W- but I was thinking about the foot washing experience, mm-hmm. and how it's Peter who at least is honest and mm-hmm. forthright to Jesus about how he disapproves of how Jesus is going to do this unthinkable task and do what like a slave or a servant or maybe a youngest person or woman or something like that would do it and wash people's feet. And, and in Peter's mind, this is just inappropriate. Um, But like Jesus is trying to teach them a lesson and and foreshadow something. Yeah. Well, Um, I mean, I mean, the, 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 what came clear to me that I hadn't seen before is, and Jesus says to Peter, when Peter says, no, you're not going to wash my feet. Jesus said, in one translation, it says, well, if you want to belong to me, Mm. then you'll let me wash your feet. Right. And and how I translate that is if I'm not willing to receive God's hospitality, 
Mm-hmm. I can't belong to God. If I can't let God um, serve me in that I need salvation, mm. I need God's grace, I need God's forgiveness, I need all this, that's all divine hospitality in mm. my life. If I feel like I don't need it, then what do I need God for? Whereas accepting it is saying, God, I need you. I belong to you. I want to belong to you. And that as human beings is so hard, even as so people hard. who have been in the faith for a while or in ministry or whatever, mm-hmm. to say that we need God. Yep. That's our issue. Because we think I've been a Christian or I've been, you know, walking this journey this long by now. I should be able to do it on my own. That's right. right? We've arrived. Should, right. We, we're, be, we've become disciples. Here's your t- certificate. Go and, uh, you yeah. know, now you, now so, you lead. Yeah. That's right. It's like, God, take a break. I should be able to take over the family business. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. And yeah. carry on. Yeah. It's not the way it's designed. Yeah. It's designed to always be in relationship, in communion with God. We were designed to be dependent always on his grace. Right. And I think that's an appealing concept for, for people like doctors in a way, as difficult as that is a pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the fields where you have to be a lifelong learner, and there's very few fields where you do not have to be a lifelong learner, but medicine is sort of unique in that it's ever changing. So if they apply that to their spiritual lives, there's something to be said about, you know, we're always disciples. Even Peter is getting it wrong when he's an apostle. He's yeah. denying Christ. He's making flub up. Paul's, yeah. Paul's there kicking his butt at points. Like, and it's good and it's right and it's just to say, oh, even even the apostles don't know what they're doing. Uh, that right. Jesus was the only one that knew that knows, and he, he's teaching us and we're learning. We're ever learning, ever growing. Yes. And even I would say that, and, and again, I find this in my own life, and the closer I get to God, the more inadequate I feel. Yeah. Right? Inadequacy. And that's just an acknowledgement of who I am and who God is. Mm-hmm. Right? right. Um, and, it's, and so that sense of being inadequate is to lead us to dependence. Mm. Yeah. It's, not a, a, it's not a judgment. Right. It's an invitation. Right. Yeah. To and lean that, on God. And we forget that. Right? We feel uncomfortable with this need to depend, especially mm-hmm. for people who are used to being like the leader who has it all together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and we forget our part of that identity that we carry of, of, of needing to be a recipient mm-hmm. uh, of, of God's leadership, of God's grace, of God's, of God's power. And, yeah. and, and yeah. we forget that. And, and knowing that we can only give what we receive. Yes. So we have to receive God's love. It needs to work in us. Then we can give it to others. Mm -hmm. And so it only counts if it's something we've received from God. If it's something I created myself, it doesn't count. What people need comes from God, not me. Mm -hmm. And that kind of goes back to everything falling apart when, say, the the pastor leaves because it's sort of like this and, and I'm sure there's a lot of good that, that happened in mm. that ministry experience that Stephanie yeah. uh, shared. But, but, but it's just sort of an illustration of like if we're just man-made uh, church things, then mm-hmm. they're, they're not going to last. Well, and I had that experience of being a pastor and being in a church and then 
you know, I left and things fell apart and I was feeling depressed about it and all that. Mm -hmm. And then there were a few people from the church who came to me and said, you know, pastor, you changed my life. And then I started to realize the fruit was not what I did with the structures of the church. The fruit right. was how people's lives were touched. And people started to show me how God had touched their lives. I was looking for the wrong fruit. God was using you in ways that you um, didn't see. And, and, mm -hmm. and, and that's so encouraging. And they were able to return some of that grace to you, which is incredible. Um, you know, mm -hmm. when you were feeling distressed about it, they were able to come back and say, no, these, this was the real thing. This mattered. Your time here mattered yeah. uh, because God worked through you in yeah. this place. And, and that's the thing when we realize, um, and this is something that Henry Nouwen talked about, you know, and I think it comes from a bit from Catholic theology as well, that, you know, the whole thing about being of activism, that sense of needing to do for God and that we, we're the ones who are doing it for God. And I love the way he talks about it because he talks about it because, no, it is God working through us. Mm -hmm. It is the activity of God flowing through us. It's not us doing for God, but letting his activity, his life flow through us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to allow that to happen, I have to determine that I need it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And be open. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's just as human beings, we just sort of forget. I think sometimes we need to be reminded. And I'm just thinking about, um, Dr. Curlin's paper we were looking at again last night of how, you know, some of the, the remedy that he prescribed for this feeling of um, uh, physician discontent was just learning how to lean on God, like in those moments when you feel discontent, mm -hmm. like, like the ABCs of what it means to be a Christian, like just incorporate prayer more into your life is one of the things he was saying. And, and just be reminded that when you see a patient, it's like Jesus says, you know, um, what you do for the sick, you do unto me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and sometimes we think that our work has to be this just amazing thing and we're figuring things out and we're, you know, heading up this new research project or something like that. But the simplicity of just, depending on God daily and, and seeing Jesus in the every day, mm -hmm. you know, I think that can provide some contentment when we do feel discontent. Yeah. yeah. And, and I would add to that when we learn to pay attention to God's presence, mm. learn to practice God's presence everywhere mm. and learn to become his presence to everybody we meet. Yeah. So if, if, if a dog is seeing a patient, Knowing, God, you are in the midst of this encounter. Mm. Right? That God is present with us in the midst of it. So, God's wisdom is available to us. Mm. Mm -hmm. To see things maybe we would normally see. Mm. To understand something we might not normally understand. God has mm. the power to give us wisdom and understanding. And so, knowing that God is present and he's mm. at work. And so we don't have to create anything because God is continually creating and we join him in the process of what he is doing. So it's yeah. not, it's not us. It's us joining him. Yeah, He's yeah. already with this person. He's yeah. already with us. And so let's together look at his presence and how is his presence um, working in the midst of. This has been really helpful, Cheryl. And um, just 
I'm just thinking about um, our time and just how we've journeyed through um, just naming um, some of the, the issues associated with distress or burnout um, and then how the, the soul has everything to do with that. And I'm just wondering if you can talk a little bit about just uh, that soul care a little bit more about um, uh, pay attention, paying attention to our soul. Like, what would that, what does that tangibly look like? Is it, is, are you talking about um, the need for silence or, or office or daily office or is it different for different people? What are you, it's different, are you talking it's about? different for different people. I think it's discovering what, what works for us. Um, but at the very, at the very least, I think it's just stopping and paying attention. God, you're here with me. Like you're present with me, just knowing God, you want to, you choose to be present with me and knowing, yeah. you know, when Jesus said, I'm, I'm never going to leave you alone. That's a big statement. And so knowing I'm not alone, God is with me and then paying attention to see how is God showing he's with us? How mm. is he showing up in mm. our day? How is he showing up in situations? Having eyes to look for God's presence and holding on to that truth and stopping and asking God, even Lord, show me, show me that you're with me. Um, God, show me that you're present or saying, thank you, God, for your presence with me. Asking God for what we need, because part of it, I believe he's present immediately in the moment. It means I can also ask him for what I need. I mean, something silly. The, uh, the other day I was doing a, something online and Zoom was doing something weird and I couldn't figure out. It's like, God, I need an answer. Please help me figure this out. Something I never thought of came to me that helped me figure out what I was doing. Right. We are not alone. I, I just right. saw something, remembered something that I had not, you yeah, know. Just like that. Yeah. So we're, we're not alone. And that mm. stress, when you feel like you're all alone, that's what kills us. I, I've got to bear this burden all by myself and I don't know how and all people are depending on me. Don't yeah. do that to ourselves. Yeah. It's interesting. We were talking a little bit earlier about this, uh, about putting certain professions on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. uh, and so a phrasing that kind of came to my mind is that feeling of a people set apart. Like that's a biblical, some biblical language, but being set apart can really feel like being pushed aside or set aside by our community. Um, we hear this a lot from, especially our student ministry leads, um, that sometimes when medical students and dental students try to express their feelings of anxiety or discontent or, or stress, people say, someone would have died for your spot. You know, you're so lucky. You don't get to complain. Same with when you're a practicing doctor, you know, oh, you've got so much money and so much privilege and so much power. You don't get to complain anymore. Um, so that feeling of isolation that can come uh, leads leads to sort of an imbalance in your ability to seek out other people to assist. Yeah. And there's a difference. I mean, the Bible we've got, um, you know, within the Bible that talks about lamenting, there's no, nothing wrong with lamenting, you know, to God about this is hard, Lord. This is mm -hmm. difficult. This is challenging. Yeah. That's sharing with God our experience and also inviting him into it. So there's nothing wrong with lamenting because often it is hard. It is challenging. That's right. just acknowledging the reality. And God lives in reality. And when we bring our reality before God, we're inviting him to participate. Yeah. To be a part of it. And so there's nothing wrong with saying that. Um, that 
you know, it's hard. I, you know, that this is challenging. I'm not sure if I can do it. There's nothing wrong with that, but don't stop there. But right. God, you can help me in this. God, right. you're with me in this. And I, and I feel like sometimes the, the shame of those feelings can be overwhelming to the point where we don't want to talk about it. Like we, yes. we feel ashamed because yes. I'm feeling these things and I ought to be like this. And then there's that dissonance between how we're feeling and what yeah. we're experiencing and how we think we should be. And All of our peers look so put together on top of that. So there's yeah. and match with shame. The grass always looks greener on the other side. Because you don't have to mow it. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we're all putting up this image, right? And that's the stress that kills us more than anything. It's this image that we put up that's not real, that we've got it all together and we don't have any problems. Whereas, if we can actually learn to admit, we actually find strength in the ability to, you know, persevere in a way that we never thought possible when we acknowledge what the truth is. That's not defeat. That's just acknowledging I'm human and I need God. It's just saying the, the experience that you're on. And it's, it's talking about the reality of, of what, what you're faced again with. Yeah. And, yeah. and the good news to that is God wants to help. <laughs> wow. That's good. He doesn't leave us alone. He wants to help us. He wants to give us what we need. That's the good news. He's not ashamed of us. He doesn't think you're ungrateful for your complaining. Uh, actually, you know, he's glorified by it. When yeah. you're willing to be honest to God, you're actually saying, God, I trust you. And that's, that's where the healing can actually happen when we actually bring it to him. Yeah. But, but if we're holding it back, he's not going to put pressure on us to bring it to him. He's just going to let us do what we're going to do. Wait. He's just going to wait. And, and what happens is, is when we actually can be, if you think about, you know, people in the Bible, Paul, you think about Jesus. Jesus called out to his father for help. Angel came and strengthened him. We'll actually receive more strength than we thought possible because we're acknowledging our need. And we are opening ourselves to receive from God. So actually, we will become stronger than we thought possible. Such a good uh, message, you know, and I'm just thinking of like Paul talking about how, you know, God's strength is perfected in his weakness. Yes. And it's so true, but we're all ashamed of our weaknesses, I, I, I feel like, and we don't want to actually be honest about them. So what I say is we're human, whether we like it or not. And, and there's incredible freedom in recognizing that. When it is. I, I was thinking when you were reading to us uh, from the message earlier, that line that come away with me uh, to the something about unplanned rhythms and just sort of that feeling of like, oh, the freedom of giving it to God, that coming away, that's, that's such a pleasant thought. Of not everything relies on me. Not everything comes down to me. It all boils down to God and, and that incredible freedom of, all I have to do is just keep giving God my heart, keep giving God my will, yeah. uh, and he'll use it. Yeah, and, and keep inviting him. It's like we're on a journey, and we're asking, please be the companion with me. Please journey with me, Lord. Please let me journey with you. We're on this. We're in this together. Mm -hmm. um, and in that sense of, and, you know, that image of the oxen then often, is, it's a stronger ox paired with a, uh, a weaker ox and it's kind of training and breaking in mm -hmm. the younger weaker well we're the younger weaker and jesus is the stronger one breaking teaching us how how yeah. to do it yeah mm -hmm. and that's okay yeah and we don't always 
experienced the consolation of his grace and his presence right away. Sometimes it does, like you, you mentioned how, you know, you had that issue with Zoom and you just sort of, you know, it was like a prayer answered instantly. But sometimes there's that, sometimes there's the, there's that waiting period. And I was thinking about how, you know, the Israelites in Egypt, you know, they had prayed to the Lord to, you know, get us out of here. It's craziness. The sky Pharaoh is giving us a hard time. And, you know, and it's 40 years later that Moses shows up to, to deliver them. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that, that's because sometimes the difficulties are actually things that are helping us grow. It's actually using them, right? Just because it's difficult doesn't mean God's not in it. We got to remember, it was, it was the Holy Spirit that took Jesus to the wilderness, which was not a fun experience. God is not just in the fun experiences. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But, and, and, and just to finish off that verse, I think it actually says that it was the Holy Spirit who led Jesus and, and, Satan, and he met with Satan there. And, and God knew it all along. It was going to happen that way. But it, it's what God used to prepare him for what he was to do for the kingdom. That's right. Yeah. Right? And so, you know, and as I work with, with pastors in, the, in training, you know, uh, pastors growing in, in issues of resilience, and then I talk about let God use the wilderness to grow you. Hmm. Yeah. God uses wilderness experiences. Let him meet you there and let him use those experiences. And COVID is a wilderness experience. And I think as Christians too, especially people who are later converts, there's that feeling of like, once I get baptized and become a Christian and, and you know, accept Jesus as my personal savior, everything is going to be perfect. And that is the opposite <laughs> of my experience as a Christian. My ability to rely on God is way bigger and therefore my acceptance of like the crazy dumpster fire that is my life sometimes like that that is a blessing because I think the same things would have been happening whether I was a Christian or not but I wouldn't then have had God I mean life still goes haywire and weird things happen and all of that the difference is we're not alone God is with us and and his resources are available to us his spirit, his presence, all of that. And so, yeah, life is still going to be life. Handle with God. I feel like, uh, yeah, this has been a, a good conversation. Kind of just fun just to hang out and talk mm -hmm. about these uh, deep things. I, I really, I really appreciate it. So thanks for being with us, Cheryl Ann. Great. It's great to and, be with you. Thank you. Yeah. Blessings. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the CMDA Canada podcast. Watch for more content in this space coming soon.